Hey, Jimmy Murphy here with Pierre McGuire, and it's time for another episode of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years, the sickest NHL podcast. It's gonna be sick. Hey, Jimmy Murphy here with Pierre McGuire. And Pierre, before we get into it, I just want to uh, send a, a condolences yeah. out to uh, some of my family members. Uh, I lost my former brother-in-law in the last, on actually Wednesday night, um, and he passed away at too young an age, forty-five, and. Big Rangers fan, Pierre, and we're going to get into the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils game. That's going to be our game of the week to tease later on. Uh, but I'm sending some love out to them. This one's for you. Pierre, let's get right into it here. Uh, look, we like to do pick a team each episode and do the eye test. And I think right now, pun intended, uh, in the <laughs> eye of the hurricane are the Carolina Hurricanes, a hurricane of negativity right now because – a lot of people had them as a preseason Stanley Cup favorite, and right now they're they're just not getting it done. And I don't know, Pierre. I mean, this isn't a. It they do not look like a Rod Brindamore coach team right now. If you get my drift. And Rod Brindamore would be the first person to tell you that. And I think we probably should listen some some sound from yeah. Rod Brindamore before I even comment. Let's do it. And all that we gave up twenty three shots, so it's. There's, there's some things we're doing really well. It's just we got to – I think the, the word is we just got to do it a little more consistently. No, because then we know exactly what's going on. Uh, it's not it's, – it's frustrating, um, uh, but it's got to stop. And, I'm, you know, that's going to be on me here pretty soon to start shaking things up if we continue to do that because, we, you know, we're too good to be inconsistent. And it's a common theme there, isn't there, Pierre? Yeah, consistency. So here's yeah. the one thing that's really important. In their last 10 games, Jimmy, they're 6-4-1. and one. For a team that's a preseason Stanley Cup favorite, I know we're not to the 20-game mark yet. That's not good enough. And here's the thing that's got to be perplexing for him. I know Brady Shea's had a great start offensively, but if you look at Jacob Slavin, Tony D'Angelo, Brent Burns, Dmitry Orloff, who was brought in not just to defend but give them some offense – that hasn't been good enough offensively from the defense, and I know they've been missing Brett Pesci, but that's a problem as well. So the one constant and consistent for them, limited offense from the defense, Jimmy, and that's got to get better for Carolina. Yeah, and look, you look that you that I'm glad you brought that up, and you, you mentioned Brady Skay there. Yeah, he's got he's got good stats, but if you really take a closer look at it, Pierre, right now, I mean, he's only got one point in his last ten games. Brent mm-hmm. Burns, one point in his last 11. So you're absolutely right. They need more from those guys from the blue line there. And then the other thing, too, uh, overall, big picture is, you know, look, if you look at the analytics of the Carolina Hurricanes right now, they're above the league's best in danger zone chances. Mm-hmm. But they're not scoring. So what gives, Pierre? Is it, is it, is it just all go back to the defense, like you said, or – what else do you think is going on there that they're not conver- converting these chances? No, everybody talks about how they're a high-volume shot team, and that's one of the newfangled phrases in the National Hockey League today. I think, obviously, a lot of that's due to analytics, and that's fine. They, those numbers don't lie. They are, and they deserve that moniker. The problem is 
Andre Svechnikov's coming off a major offseason surgery. He's only been back eight games, but he's got zero goals in his last eight games. He's got four assists. Jimmy, they didn't draft him in the first round to be an assist guy. They drafted mm-hmm. him to be a power forward, scoring forward. And for most of his career, until he got hurt, he has been that. He has not been so far, and that's a bit of a problem. They need more from Michael Bunting. When they brought Michael Bunting over from Toronto, they expected him to match up offensively like what he did last year. He's got one goal for them so far. That's not nearly good enough. Seth Jarvis, another guy. They were expecting more offense from mm-hmm. him, Jimmy. They haven't gotten it from him. Here are the guys that are delivering right now, and that's the good news for Carolina. Jesperi uh, Kakaniemi has been outstanding for them to start the gate. He's our leading scorer. Sebastian Ajo, obviously one of the better players in the National Hockey League. He's had a good start. And Marty Natchez has been excellent. So there's a lot of good there too, but they need more consistent offense from the defense. They need Svechnikov to get scoring, and they need way more from Seth Jarvis and Michael Bunting. So he said there that it could be changes coming, Pierre. Do you think those are changes within forward lines and deep pairings, or is he kind of hinting, or is that coming from above, that there could be roster changes in general? I, I don't think they're ready to make roster changes yet, but what I do think is there might be some guys bumping up in the lineup. There might be some guys bumping down in the lineup. Okay. The one thing I know about their team, and this is something that people need to respect about Carolina, Jordan Stahl is an amazing leader. He's an outstanding team man and a great leader. Brent Burns is a voice of reason. I'm telling you, I know people look at his hair and the tattoos and they think, oh, he's a leader. He's a champion guy. And and the other thing, and it, this is really important about their team, Jacob Slavin is as honorable a man and leader and player as there is in the National Hockey League. So they're not that far off from getting it done. They just need more guys to accelerate the pace at which they play the game right now. It's, yeah, it sounds like they've got the character there. And, you know, it, it's interesting you bring up – um, Jordan Stahl there because and it was funny our producers were just saying this off the air it's, sometimes it's frustrating we don't get to hear the reporters questions yeah, yeah. and we didn't get to hear that there but I look back and one of the reporters said in that question that, that provoked those answers he said that Jordan Stahl said the same stuff in the locker room and he was talking about inconsistency and trying to bring it more uh, on a steady level every game and so he's getting it and, and that's a good sign that the, the players are getting it like you know, Brenda Moore doesn't have to go in there and rip him a new one, that the players already know what's wrong. Well said, Jimmy. There's a there's a maturity in that dressing room. There's a leadership quotient in that dressing room. I mean, Jordan Stahl is a Stanley Cup champion. Brent Burns has gone deep many times in the playoffs. He knows, mm-hmm. especially from his days in San Jose. He was part of World Junior Goal for Canada as well with a potpourri of leadership on that Canadian team he was a part of. So when you really look at it, they're going to get this figured out. It's a bit of a stumble out of the gate, let's say, but they'll mm-hmm. figure it out sooner rather than later. I really believe that. And Rod's way too good a coach. He's just way too good a coach. I'm with you. Well, another team that kind of, not kind of, very much so, I apologize, stumbled out of the gate would be the Ottawa Senators, Pierre. Mm-hmm. And they're over in Sweden right now. And even before the game yesterday, you and I were just staying off the airs. You know, th- this could be one a make or break. You hate to say it in November, but a make or break type trip over yeah. there for the Global Series. And, you know, you look at them yesterday, they go out there, they take a 4 nothing lead, like, wow, all right, they're finally getting – and then, boom, they lose that 4 nothing lead and they have to come out with a last-second victory in overtime. Now, that's great and all that Tim Stutzel was able to score one of the most amazing goals I've seen in a while yeah. uh, with that little baseball swing there. Uh, but, you know, actually, let's go to that clip right now, Pierre, just to celebrate <laughs> okay. that first. But before we get to the negative stuff. 
<laughs> Here is Batherson. Up after Stutzma. One-on-one with Costas Bear. Stutzman in shoots hard wide. Up the end board to go. Sanson drops it back. In comes Batherson. Pass across. Oh, he the score. He bats it in. Tim Stutzman with an incredible hand play. Wins it for Ottawa. Oh, what a goal. Wow. So I... that is, first of all, before yeah. we celebrate the goal, that's great TV from Gordon Miller and Mike Johnson oh, at yeah. TSN. That, that's awesome. That's a great call. I was in the booth with Gord for a lot of years, 11 yep. exactly, probably broadcast close to 1,000 games together. And I would just tell you uh, that's that's awesome TV. So I still got goosebumps from that call. Yeah. I'm so happy for Tim Stutzla. Uh, he was fighting it, Jimmy, before they went overseas. He mm-hmm. wasn't getting it done offensively. And, and Timmy knows I've been around that young man a lot, especially when it's gone poorly for him, and I've been around him when it's gone well for him. And the thing is, is that he's probably harder on himself than any coach or fan could be on him. He is a perfectionist personified, and it was really great to see him do that. Here's the problem for Ottawa right now, depth and defense. Shabbat's injury, Brandstrom's injury, not having 100% Artem Zub, that hurts them a lot. Um, Are they getting some play from Jacob Bernard Docker? Absolutely. Are they getting some play from Tyler Clevin? Yeah, they are. Jake Sanderson has been outstanding throughout the start of from the start of the season to now. He's been great. They're depleted on defense. And so what that means is their forwards have to come back and help out a lot more, Jimmy. And it's hard to do that when you don't have Ridley Gregg hundred percent and you don't have Shane Pinto because of suspension from the league because yeah. of a gambling issue. So their roster's a little bit frayed, but you bring it up. I'm concerned because new ownership, high expectation, general manager already been traded out. What happens going forward for the coaching staff? And it's going to be very interesting, especially now that they're, you know, Daniel Alfredson's around the team a lot. He's yeah, around them a lot. You beat me too. I was just going to say, what do we take from that? That he's now behind the bench. Now, I don't know how permanent that's going to be, but he's he's behind the bench. They're in Sweden. They want to, yeah. you know, pay respects to him being in Sweden. But the fact he's down there to me says a lot. And I think who was the team the other day you were talking about, Pierre, that put an assistant down that's kind of a uh, Paul Coffey with the ownership. Paul Coffey. That's right. That's right, against Edmonton. So I, I kind I thought immediately of that, Pierre. And you know he's going to be, be reporting back to Stales. Uh, so what's to let it, him know yeah. what he sees. No, for sure. And, and that's what Daniel should be doing. Daniel yep. is a tremendous hockey person. I had the privilege of coaching him his rookie year, and uh, he was phenomenal that year. He's always, he had a phenomenal career, obviously, a hockey hall of famer. Paul Coffey, much the same. I had the privilege of working with him in Pittsburgh and to see where he is now. Hey, look at the start uh, Edmonton's had since the coaching change. They're 2-0. and They've mm. had to show some character. They've had to push back, so that's positive for them. I think for Ottawa, having Daniel there is really good, Jimmy. And here's the one thing behind the scenes. Daniel's around that team a lot. Even when he wasn't working for them, he knows mm-hmm. the players really well. He knows the strength and weaknesses of the players. He's a hockey aficionado. He really cares about the Ottawa Senators. That's why he still lives in Ottawa. So I think actually having Daniel around the group is a positive thing for the team and very positive for Jack Capuano, Davis Payne, uh, and obviously the head coach. I think it's tremendous for DJ to have him around. Yeah, and, you know, Pierre, we were talking about just how sometimes when you get away on a trip like that, overseas, kind of away from the the whole firestorm that you got back in Ottawa with the media there and the fans – it can be a good bonding experience. It can be a good reset. And that I think that's what they need. And while they weren't exactly, we mentioned the defense, they weren't, they weren't good at all defensively yesterday, blowing that four nothing lead. 
That's a character win that they need. That's a gut check type moment to me that hopefully they can carry forward. So we'll see where it goes. And I'll tell you, Pierre, like you go back to that call too. I want to talk about that too. That's great for, for the game right now and, and the global series and, and getting that out there because I'm t- I was noticing on Twitter, I know a lot of people are working here in the States and in Canada, but there are people tuning in. There are people checking it out. So br- to bring that excitement and to get that enthusiasm across from Gordon Miller and Mike Johnson, I think it's huge for the game. Yeah, no, fantastic. And hats off to both of them. That was a tremendous call at a key time in a game, obviously. And we need more of that. We Less do. Lilliputians and more noise. I'm with you. I'm with you, Pierre. Well, let's let's move along here. Look, the Ottawa Senators, we're gonna, we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about them again. But I want to talk about Pierre right now is there's starting to be, as we get to this, and, and the Senators could be involved in this as well, obviously, if their defense is hurting. Uh, and, and we can kind of link it to what we're about to say here. The Calgary Flames right now mm-hmm. appear to be at a major crossroads. They've got plenty of pending free agents on defense, even some up front with Elias Lindholm. Um, but the more we looked at it, the more you and I were talking about, you know, Zadaroff or Hannafin or Tanoff, who are all reportedly out there right now. And, and also Hannafin and Zadaroff basically saying they want out. Um, you know, we kept coming back to the Boston Bruins as a possible partner. We want to tell our viewers right now, we have no substantiated evidence right now that they are talking. This is just speculation. But if you look at their roster, you look at their cap, you look at what they've got coming up as free agents, there seems to be some symmetry there, Pierre, between the Calgary Flames and the Boston Bruins for a potential trade. First of all, hats off to Ryan Husky and the Calgary Flames coaching staff. They reeled their team in last night. They got a huge win against the Vancouver Canucks on home ice. Not mm-hmm. an easy thing to do. Vancouver's been smoking hot, as we all know, coming off the road. And then with a huge win on home ice the other night, coming from behind against the New York Islanders. So hats off to Ryan Husky, the head coach in Calgary, for that win last night with his players. And Jonathan Huberto breaking the ice, Jimmy, and finally getting the goal. But what you said is so apropos. And, and here's the thing. Christopher Tanev, unrestricted free agent, potentially in 2024. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, potentially unrestricted free agent. And Noah Hannafin, potentially unrestricted free agent. So they're dealing with a colossal amount of potential money that they probably won't be able to afford. They lost Johnny Goodrow to Columbus for zero, for nothing. They weren't mm-hmm. proactive. I know it was a former management team, but they weren't proactive on the player. They couldn't figure it out, and they lost an elite player. Even though he's struggling in Columbus, they lost an elite player for zero. They cannot afford to do that in this stage of their development, especially when you look at where L.A. is, where Anaheim is, where Edmonton potentially could be in terms of growth. And don't forget Arizona, Jimmy. So if you look at it, if you're Calgary, you could get left in the dust pretty quick if you don't run your roster properly. And that's why when you talk about potential for trading, there's one team that I think fits the model for Calgary to have a marriage and a dance partner. And I'm sure there's more than one, but Jimmy, I'm thinking out loud here, the Boston Bruins. Yes. For whatever reason, they have always had a liking for Noah Hannafin. Now I know you're an alum from the school, but he went to St. Sebastian's mm-hmm. high school in Boston. He played at Boston college, no team in the national hockey league scouts, the ISL, the independent school league, harder or better than the Boston Bruins. They know team in the NHL scouts Boston College 
harder or better than the Boston Bruins, Jimmy. So they know the body of work of Noah Hannafin as well or better than anybody. And where does Noah Hannafin go at the end of every season? Back to Boston. Yep. So nowhere, nowhere asking me. Nobody's told me, nobody's told you, but I could see a marriage and a dance partner there between Boston and Calgary. I'm so with you. And I can confirm this, Pierre, and you know this as well. You go back to the 2015 draft when Don Sweeney went wheeling and dealing. You know, he ships up Milan Lucic. He goes and he gets three consecutive draft picks in the first round. But that wasn't his original goal to get those three consecutive picks. His original goal was to move way up in that draft and get Noah Hannafin. And ever since he couldn't do that, he's been following him. I know they've talked before. He talked with Carolina, and I know he's talked with the previous regime in Calgary about him. So I, I completely agree with you on that. And, and look, people will say, I have Bruins fans, when I bring it up, I wrote about it a little earlier this uh, this month, just that they could use another defenseman that can create some offense. And people, no, they don't need defense. They, they look at, they got all these, I go, you can never have too many defensemen. And also, the Bruins don't score much. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about the, the Carolina Hurricanes not getting enough offense in their blue line. The Bruins really haven't gotten that much offense from the blue line. I mean, Hampus Lindholm just scored his first goal of the year. Uh, so they need him to get going. But ugh, how is it going to hurt, especially if you look at Matt Grizzly, who's potentially on the way out in free agency? So let's just hypothetically. Don't, don't forget Forbert. Forbert's a potential Forbert's free gone, agent. probably, yeah. right? So. Yeah. There's room for Hannafin there, and and Don Sweeney's going to have plenty of money next year coming off the books to use in free agency, or if she, he should get a player like a Noah Hannafin who needs to be extended to give that extension there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. My question to you, Pierre, is you know you said that the the Flames could find themselves left in the dark pretty pretty soon if they don't watch out. Do you think this is something that Conroy tries to get done by say? Christmas or maybe the winter classic, or is this something that he kind of holds off where maybe the value goes up for potentially UFAs as we get closer to the trade deadline in March? I don't know if the value goes up for potential UFAs or not. It depends. That's a marketplace decision that nobody can predict at this point. Changes every uh, year, right? Yeah, yeah, it could change every year. Exactly right. Yeah. So what I would say, Jimmy, is in this situation, it's probably better to try to generate marketplace before other people do. And the way you do that is you send out messages around the league through your scouts that are on the road or your coaching staff that's dealing with other teams' coaching staffs, and you can create marketplace. And if you can create the right marketplace, there's no time limit. The sooner you can get it done, mm-hmm. it's probably the better, depending on what you have uh, in terms of offers. But, but here's one other thing. You talked about the Bruins having potential cap space. Just to put hard numbers on it, everybody, there's a potential for them to have $28 million to spend next offseason. The wow. potential. Now, yeah. I, I think it's probably going to be more close to 21 or 22. Yeah. But even even then, Jimmy, even then, That's that, that could bring you three real good players and yep. two super elite players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just got to understand the Bruins are just where everybody wrote them off, Jimmy, because of that goaltending depth that they have. Um I think the Bruins don't have nearly the problems that a lot of prognosticators thought they would have when Krejci and Bergeron decided to retire. Yeah, I mean, I would say the only thing, Pierre, and I know we both agree on this, is to start to replenish the system a little yes. uh, with, with good prospects coming up. But, I mean, look at the guys they brought into the into the NHL level this season in, in Patra and Lowry. So, you know, 
it's working for them. And I think back here to, to free agency and Don Sweeney basically going to the bargain bin, right? Getting guys like JVR or Morgan Geeky, uh, he, you know, and people say, what is he doing? Are this We're going back to the cheap Bruins. Is that what's happening? He knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew that he was going to have this space opening up next summer. So he said, let's just plug in some holes right now. And you know what? He's, he did a pretty good job. I mean, JVR could go down as one of the best under the radar signings uh, of the free agent market in 2023. Because they played him in the right role. They knew exactly what they were getting. So good on the pro scouting staff and good on Donnie. The other thing is you brought up Mason Lowry. That was a tremendous draft pick by the Bruins amateur scouts when they drafted him out of Green Bay in the USHL before he went to Ohio State. Yep. That was a significant draft pick. That, that's off to them. And Poitra in the uh, second round, that's another tremendous draft pick um, So out of the Guelph Storm. So they deserve a huge amount of credit, both on the professional side of scouting, the amateur side of scouting, and obviously in the general manager's chair. And, Jimmy, you know what that is? That's the eye test. That is the eye test, my friend. And you know who's been taking the eye test? I just got a text from somebody because I was poking around on this whole Flames Bruins thing. And a source here telling me now, he says, hey, Conroy and his boys, his whole staff, were on that road trip, the recent road trip that the Flames had. So they're watching their team real closely right right now to see who may be going out and who's going to stay. So that's something. When you see the the big guys in in hockey ops, Pierre, as you know, when they start to travel with the team and they're scouting in person, they might be up to something. Yeah, and it was an Eastern swing, too, in the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions. I saw Craig on Monday night in Toronto. So, no, you're spot on. When they start sending a massive array of uh, front office people with the team on a road trip, they're evaluating their own team. They're obviously evaluating other players. But I told you this the other day, and it's a piece of information I learned from one of our favorite fans, Scotty Bowman, who watches – Hey, Scotty. He told me, Jimmy, he told me this a long time ago. The general manager has to be an expert on his own team, has to know more about his own team than anybody else. And if he doesn't, he's going to make mistakes, especially at the professional level. And we've seen a lot of general managers make mistakes because they overrate their own players because they're Mm -hmm. just, we drafted them, so we have to love them. You can't do that. Here's what the thing, when you fall in love with a player, Jimmy, here's another line from famous hockey people. When you fall in love with your own players, it's like an ex-wife and a racehorse. They cost you money. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's the truth. So, hey, Pierre, you know what? Last night, a lot of great games, a lot of good hockey. Uh, I know you and I were bouncing around. I had my eyes mostly on the uh, Golden Knights 6-5 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. I thought that was some really exciting hockey, maybe not for the coaches. Uh, but there was a game you were watching as well, right? Oh, I just love what uh, New Jersey did going into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had won five straight games in New Jersey without having Jack Hughes, without having Nico Heischer, and they didn't have Timo Meyer last night who got hurt in their previous game in Winnipeg. I was like, uh-oh, this, this could be a big problem for New Jersey. They went in there. They played so well. Lindy Ruff, Travis Green, Ryan McGill, uh, Chrissy Taylor, that coaching staff, they did a great job getting yeah. their team ready. Listen, I'm going to tell you, Jimmy, Pittsburgh didn't play an A game, far from it. And Mike Sullivan alluded to that this morning. But I would tell you, New Jersey played a flawless road game. They were down 1-0 in that game. They were down 2-1 in that game. They found a way to reel the game in and tie it. And then they scored three straight goals in the third period to win the game. Couldn't say enough good things about their players and the way they carried themselves. And here's the thing, Jimmy. You lose those two top centermen. 
But you got Michael McLeod, who usually plays as your fourth center. Yeah. He won 75% of his face-offs wow. last night. 75%. I like him, by the way. That, so that, that makes a big difference for a team. Yeah. So he goes from the fourth line to the first line. They're not defending because he's winning face-offs. They got puck possession. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little part of the game that helps New Jersey. And they deserve a ton of credit for that win last night. Yeah, and I look at that Canadians uh, Knights game. And, you know, hats off to the Canadians, period. I know they yes. lost, but they, they are in every game. It's been rare where you see them just lay an egg. Uh, they're in every game. They fight hard. And, you know, that's two games now. Now, as I said, it was kind of a coach's nightmare. And Marty St. Louis was not happy after he said, look, the difference between this game and the one that we lost by one goal out in Vegas is we deserve what we got. And they did. They, they let up. They went a little too hard on offense, let up on defense. But I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, and I know that this is a lesser team that they're playing. It's not a team in playoff contention, but they had just lost three to nothing, Pierre. Yeah. They had just lost two of their last three. And they're coming into the Bell Center where no matter what, you know, any given night, the Canadians can show up and they can feed off that crowd. It's one of the toughest places to play in the NHL, as you know. And they come through and they come back. And, they get, and I just felt like that was that was guys like Jack Eichel, William Carlson, their leaders, Chandler Stevenson, really stepping up and say, hey, guys, let's get it together here. Let's push the pace. And they did that in the end, and they came away with the win. Johnny Marshall as well. Don't forget that oh, guy. <laughs> Ivan Barbashev. I mean, what Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have done out there is just stupendous. That's off to them as a management team. Their depth is overwhelming. Yeah. The big trees on defense, it's almost impossible to get to the net to create second chance opportunities against that team. They're just big redwoods. And then you get the to the net and what happens? You, you, and then you get hammered when you get to the net. But <laughs> here, here's the thing about Vegas that I really admire a lot. When they know they have a chance to put you away, they do it. Oh, yeah. So last night, Brendan Gallagher takes a bad penalty. They, it's a double minor. And what yep. does Vegas do? Boom, boom, see you later. The lights are right. out and you're done. Have they fun. capitalize. That's what they yeah, do. They They're do. a professional that's- winning team. That's what they are. And that's what they did. You know, that reminds me of that Edmonton series last year, Pierre. I mean, just yeah. the way they they know, they can sense, they, they smell the blood, so to speak, in the water there, yeah. and they pounce. So I'm with you on that. No Pierre, uh, we're going to look ahead now. We're going to start doing this every Friday. We're going to pick a game coming up from the week for the weekend, whether it's a Friday night game, a Saturday game, or a Sunday game. They're all fair game. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> pick a game. And the one we're, we got this weekend, Pierre, is a playoff rematch, and that's the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. First time they've met since the playoffs last year. Always a great rivalry game. Talk to me about this game. Break it down. In, in New Jersey, so it's going to be interesting. Can the Devil fa- fans outnumber the Ranger fans? Because it wasn't always that way no. in Newark, New Jersey. So we'll see what happens at the Proof. New Jersey's obviously trending up because of their huge win in Pittsburgh that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. The Rangers haven't played in almost a week, Jimmy, so we'll see if there's a little bit of rust on their gloves. The biggest change for the Rangers compared to last year, the structure that they're playing with under the new couching staff with Peter Laviolette, Phil Housley, Michael Peck, and Dan Muse made a big difference. Their structure is really apparent. But the number one thing that's improved there, Jimmy, and I don't think too many people have really paid attention, face-off play. Last year at the end of the season, the New York Rangers were 50% on face-offs. To start the year, Jimmy, they are 56%. Michael Pekka played for Peter Laviolette on Long Island with the Islanders. Mm -hmm. He coached with them down in Washington. Michael did tremendous work with the Rochester Americans in the AHL before he got this opportunity with Peter Laviolette in New York. 
So their face-off plays really improved. Vinny Trocek, Jimmy, I can just tell you this right now. I watch, obviously, like you do. Vinny Trocek's in the top three in the league for face-off players. The top three. So, yeah. you know, you start looking at this. There are reasons why things change for teams. A guy like Michael Peckett goes to the Rangers. He's a face-off specialist, and it's really helped them. But another thing, insider trading matters. Jimmy, you do that in the stock market, you go to jail. You do it in the NHL, you get good players. Yep. So they went out and got Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson played for Peter Laviolette in Washington. Yes. So that's insider trading. Nobody else was lining up to get Eric nope. Gustafson. Nobody they got him was. on the first. That was the first day, too, when they signed That's him. what I'm saying. So they yeah. knew what they needed. And you see with the injury to Adam Fox in New York now, mm -hmm. you get Eric Gustafson in there. You're not missing that much. I mean, yep. listen, with all due respect to Adam Fox, a great player, Norris Trophy winner, and, and a, one of the better defensemen in the league. But when Gustafson comes in, your offense from the defense doesn't get perished. Doesn't You don't lose it. So that's the part for the Rangers. For the Devils, I think the biggest thing, when you lose two great players, like they or even three, I'd count Timo Meyer in there, without Heischer mm -hmm. and obviously without Hughes. The development of Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes was great last night against Pittsburgh, two assists. Uh, Vitek Vanacek forced to make a lot of saves, same with Akira Schmidt. So their goaltenders have been forced to do some more stuff. Dawson Mercer needed to step up offensively, Jimmy. He has yeah. done that, and I talked about Mikey McLeod before. He's done it. I think the Devils, when they're all healthy and 100% with the coaching staff they have, they're going to be a lethal team. So this should be an awesome matchup on Saturday night. I yep. prove it should be awesome between the Devils and the Rangers. And, and I got to give a, a shout out to my UMass boy, Jonathan Quick, too. And I, I love seeing him get rejuvenated out there. 4-0-0 coming into this game. He's been great with, with Shesterkin down. And and Domingue, too, as we mentioned the other day, has been great for them as well. But I, I just I love that Jonathan Quick, after everybody was just poo-pooing him in the preseason, saying, what yes. the hell do we bring this guy in? He comes in for the team he grew up loving. He grew up in Connecticut. He loved the Rangers. It's got to be a dream for him, Pierre. And to have success now playing for the team he loved as a kid, it, it's got to be an awesome experience for him. So I'm really happy for him. And you go back to the coaching. I was just going to say that with the Devils, Pierre. Lindy Ruff deserves a lot of credit yes. for kind of an up-and-down start that he's helped him weather through and, and kept kept things together. And then in, with the Rangers, you already brought up Laviolette there, but – I want to ask you about this, Pierre, too, because I was looking at this when I was doing my my new Power Five rankings uh, for Boston Hockey now. Mm -hmm. He has to be, if not the best, one of the best first-year coaches wherever he goes in the history of the NHL. I mean, we always talk about the bump a team gets from a new coach, mm -hmm. and he just continually comes in, and you know, it's a team usually that he's taken over that's kind of right on the precipice just needs that extra bump to, to really take it to the next level, and he succeeds at it. What is it about him that he's able to do that, Pierre? I think experience, number one, coached at all levels. You know, he's a kid that went to Westfield State, a Division three yeah. school uh, in western Massachusetts, gets an opportunity to play in the Olympic team, drafted by the New York Rangers by a legendary late scout by the name of Smokey Cerrone, who you guys oh, yeah. go around with a lot. A guy from Rhode Island. I have so much Good respect man. for the way Smokey would go around the, the hockey business. But uh, Peter gets opportunities. And then, obviously, he starts in Wheeling, West Virginia. People don't know that in the East Coast yep. Hockey League. Then he gets bumped up and, obviously, coaches in Providence, American Hockey League. Wins a Calder Cup. Yeah, wins a Calder Cup. Then he, Mike Milbury says, you know what? This guy can coach for me with the Islanders, and oh, that's yeah. where he goes. So he did it the right way. Their change you have to follow to get there. And I can only speak to that because I've kind of walked in his shoes that way. 
And it does matter a lot. A lot of times coaches are getting rushed in because they're either name brand recognition or organizations want to bring in somebody they think can sell tickets. Coaches don't sell tickets, by the way. Yeah. Players sell tickets. You know what I mean? The players <laughs> and, and the product on the ace sell tickets. So I, I just, I've always been a fan of Peters. The fact that he's insulated with Phil Housley, who I think is a tremendous coach. Uh, Michael Peck, who I think, I personally think Michael Peck will be head coach in the NHL. And Dan Muse is a really good tactician and helps young players. There's just a lot to like there about the New York Rangers coaching staff. Well, Pierre, before we get to our, our questions from Twitter, and we've got a few rolling in here. Uh, I just got a quick uh, Peter Lavalette story. So when they okay. won the 99 uh, Calder Cup, good buddy of mine from UMass. Uh, I was at UMass at the time. He uh, he graduated. He took a marketing job with the P Bruins. So he's down there. And this his name's Tommy Holhall. And this guy is just one of the best personalities you'll ever see. Great prankster. Just always has a good time. A fun-loving yeah. guy. And so, you know, it, I didn't even realize this until then. Much like the Stanley Cup. Almost everyone in the organization gets a day with the Calder Cup to celebrate. And so Tommy gets his day and he brings it back to Holyoke. And uh, we go down to a, a famous pub in Holyoke called Nickel Neal's, now called Brennan's. And we have a great time. And, you know, we end up back at Tommy's house and we're all hanging. And I, I, I look around and I say, hey, guys, where's the where's Calder the Cup? <laughs> And we all realized, uh-oh, we left it down at Nick O'Neill's. Now, none of us have cell phones back then, you know. We're just That's just starting to become a thing. And we go, well, how are we going to get a hold? They're, they're closed, you know. Last call was like an hour ago. And uh, sure enough, before we even figure out a plan to go back down there, and potentially we were talking about breaking into the bar to get it, uh, the bar owner, Pat Brennan, showed up with it at the party. He said, here, guys, I think you need this. And we'll keep this between us. Laviolette will never find out, but he found out. And I, I see Laviolette many years after. I think it was in the um, the season he won the cup with Carolina. And 2006. I remember, 2006. Yeah, 2006. And he, he sees me, you know, after a game, a Bruins game at TD Garden. And he looks, he goes, oh, you're the one who almost lost the Calder Cup. I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> many moons ago, but. <laughs> it's it's yeah. an amazing trophy, just like the Stanley Cup. Uh, someday, Jimmy, off the air, I'll tell you what I did with the two times we won the Stanley Cup, and oh, uh, it was it was a ton of fun. No, no, it was no <laughs> no disrespect. You just the first thing you do is you look at all the names on the cup, and you it's, just yeah, it's shocking to think that your name's actually going up there with all those other people. It's just amazing, and then the fun starts. And yeah, I got lots of fun stories about I the bet, cup. <laughs> I bet. Well, it's funny you say that about the name thing. I remember, uh, I think it was Rex, Mark Recky telling me about the first time he saw his name on there. And he says, I just started balling. Like, I was I, actually, I was actually with him. him. I was with yeah. him when that happened. There you go. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yep. Pretty amazing. So, yeah. Let's get to our questions, Pierre. We've okay. got a lot here. Uh, we didn't, we only had one when it started, but now we got a few more that have come in okay. here. Uh, the first one we got, and it's from Mimo. I believe he's based out of Montreal. Okay. Hey guys, great podcast question. If you're another team in the league, is there any scenario where, you would trade for Huberto. Do you think he can find his game again in a different market or team? What do you think, Pierre? Here's the biggest problem. I do think he could find his game, but not the same game that he played when he was in Florida with Alexander Barkov. So I do think he can get up to maybe being a 25 goal scorer. Here's the biggest issue. The problem is the contract. He's got eight years at $10.5 million. That's not going away. And even if Calgary would eat part of that, 
you know, he's 30 years of age right now, Jimmy. I just don't see that being a movable contract. And he's got a no-move clause in his contract. In the last two years, he has a no-move and a no-trade. So I, I just think it's a really hard contract to move. Do I think he could get some of his game back? I do. I don't think it'll ever get to the level it was at when he was in Florida. Yeah, and I'm with you on the contract. I mean, what did I say the other day? I called it the Luongo contract. You know, it's just it's going to hamstring yes. the team and the player. And, you know, these guys get millions already, Pierre. I mean, obviously he was psyched when he when he signed it. But at the same time, he's probably looking like, man, I wish I could somehow restructure it like yeah. they do in the NFL, right? You know, and then he'd be movable. All right, what's our next question here, boys? <laughs> there we go. Oh, that's I think I know who Paul Altmeyer is. He Yes, a he's a great man with the Boston Bruins down between the benches. Good for Paulie. He's a good man. That's right. He's great. I talked to him a lot uh, down in the bowels of the the TD Garden. And yes, Paul uh, I, I did take care of that. He did not bother me again. So, as you say, <laughs> hit him right in the nose and they, they run away. So, hey, there we go. J- just so you know, Jimmy, serious, in all seriousness, Bowden Colby back in the day when the Cronins were at uh, Colby and Johnny yeah. McGill um, and John Leonard uh, and Ryan McGuire and a couple other guys, Stevie Thomas, were playing at uh, Bowden, you should have seen those games back in the day. They were wars, uh, eh? They, they were unbelievable hockey games. And, and the Cronin brothers and those guys I talked about from Bowden, they created a lot of havoc. That, that was just amazing hockey to watch. It really was. That's great. That's great. I love it. And uh, what's our next one here, boys? Why is Yarmo Kiklani still GM for the Blue Jackets after Babcock? And let's be honest, team is in a sad state. Pierre, before you give your take on this, I, I just want to say one thing. And I, you know, I, I've been hearing a lot of talk about Columbus. They're, they're in the dumps. A lot of negativity going right now. A lot of benchings. Um, I want to just say, regardless of how the team's doing, Yarmo is one of the classiest guys I've met in the game of hockey. I'm a big fan of him. He's a good guy. So, you know, be easy, guys. It's, it's, it's a harder job than you think. And, you know, when times are tough, it, it is what it is. But – you know, keep that. I know Blue Jackets fans, if you're watching right now, just keep that in mind. He is a good guy. He is, and I think he's a good hockey person. I'll tell you this. I do, too. I mean, I'll, I'll just run down. Adam Fantilli, he was a good draft pick. Kent Johnson, I know he's in the American League right now. He's a good draft pick. David Juracek, American Defense, Hockey League Defenseman of the Year last year, he's a good player. Um, Kirill Marchenko, he's a really good player. So I can give you a list of all the good players that they've drafted and are trying to cultivate. Uh, the acquisition of Patrick Liney, I think, was a really good move for them. They got to keep him healthy. Uh, getting Ivan Provorov from Philadelphia, I think that helps them a lot. Uh, obviously, Jack Roslovich broken ankle, that doesn't help them, but that was a good acquisition, especially mm-hmm. being a local guy. Um, I think there's more good than bad. One of the things people have to understand: John Davidson's a president of Above Yarmo. They've got a tremendous working relationship together. It's critical when you're going through these hard times that everybody's singing from the same songbook. And I think John and Yarmo will do that. Um, the Mike Babcock situation, I think, you know, is one of those where you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? And how do we make sure we don't make that same mistake again? So before everybody starts kicking dirt on Yarmo, I, I think it's important to talk about the good stuff that Yarmo's done there too. Yeah. And give it some time. But one thing I think everybody's so worried about right now up here. As you mentioned, Lonnie, but what about Johnny Gaudreau? Between the two of them, yeah. only three goals right now. Well, so remember, Lonnie was hurt. Johnny's yep. having a, Johnny's having a tough time there, and maybe part of that is 
they don't have Matthew Kachuk there and they don't have Elias Lindholm there. Because exactly. I would tell you, two years ago, Jimmy, no messing around, Kachuk uh, with those two guys, Lindholm and Goodrill, that was the best line in the NHL. All mm-hmm. guys had over 110 points. I yeah. mean, that, that was an amazing, amazing line. Um, and because of all different reasons, the physicality of Kachuk, the smarts and the creativity and defensive awareness of Lindholm and the explosive creativity of, of Johnny Goodrill. There are not a lot of players like that in Columbus right now, Jimmy. They just yeah. aren't. They aren't. And then, so you need guys around them that can, can help generate that explosiveness out of them. I agree with you on that. We got any more questions here, boys? Here's another one. Patrick Hoffman, what do the blue, uh, more Blue Jackets here, what do they need to do to get Goudreau and Laney going? Well, you just kind of set up here. Maybe they need to find some more players that, that can mesh with, with their skills. Yeah, no, I, I think the biggest thing, again, the expectation for Adam Fantilli is very high, and I think he will measure up to the expectation. He's still young too. into his career. I've watched, here's, the, here's the tale of the tape on Adam Fantilli. I saw him play at Kimball Union Academy. I saw him play for the Chicago Steel. Watch him play for Canada and the World Junior. Watch him play at the University of Michigan. This guy's a real deal. Like he, I know people are going to say, McGuire, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you right now. The well, I can tell him he's doing it. The comparable for him – would be Mike Madonna long-term Ooh, if he wow. can continue to improve because of his size and his skating and his ability with the puck. That yeah. doesn't mean he's going to get there, but that's where he could potentially get. Okay. And so that's a pretty special player. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a very special player. The other guy they're counting on is obviously Kent Johnson. And they, and I think they saw he kind of hit the wall a little bit with his development. So he's down in the American Hockey League. They got to hope that Roslovic can come back from his injury and really elevate things offensively. And Boone Jenner in a perfect world is not your first line center. You know, he's just not. But Boone's a heck of a player and he's a tremendous leader. So there's just some things they have to evaluate there internally. And I think they'll eventually do it. I really do. I do. And, you know, one thing I want to ask you about them, Pierre, too, is the the situation Pascal Vincent finds himself in, right? So here's a guy who comes in, he was an assistant. And we know usually. The assistants are kind of the conduits between the head coach and the players, right? You know, and you mm-hmm. got to go from being a player's guy to being a little tougher. He's just gone full out extreme being tough with all these benchings. And, you know, I wonder, and I'm not saying this is all his call. I have no idea. It could be coming from above. It could right. be joint th- decisions there. It could be his. I don't know. Yeah. But all I'm saying, Pierre, could he be in danger of losing the room fast you know, he's only been there for so long as a head coach. What's that like when, when a guy's hired and he comes in and he, he just lays the hammer down so fast? Uh, he's trying to create organizational expectation and he's trying to create organizational standards. So one of the good things that he did, and I thought it was really smart, he wasn't afraid of hiring a big name. They brought in Mark Recchi. Yep. And I think Mark can help him. He's got so much street cred around the league. So I think Mark helps him a lot in terms of some of these decisions. Um I've known Pascal's body work for a long time back to when he was coaching the Montreal juniors. Uh, And I'm a big fan of what he was as a coach then. And I watched him in the American hockey league a lot. And I think he was a tremendous coach there. So they knew what they were getting when they got Pascal Vincent as a management team. I think he's going to do really good things there. This is a work in progress. I can tell you just again, being transparent, I didn't have Columbus making the playoffs this year. I didn't. And I, I don't think you did either. Jim. No, no. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like patience is going to be a virtue there for sure. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of patience and looking forward to something, I love the word of this outdoor game coming to Ohio state. Uh, and they're talking about <laughs> the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. That would be a beauty. 
Yeah, that would be good. Now, I've never done an outdoor game in Ohio, but I've done them at Notre Dame. I've done them at the Big House in Michigan. I've yep. done it in Foxborough. I've done it a lot of places out in Edmonton in the Heritage Classic, Wrigley Field. Uh, a lot I cotton bowl down in Dallas. I can go down on and on. Nice, I, yeah. Huge passion. A soldier field in Chicago, uh, where I work with Doc Emmerich and Eddie Olchuk. I, I just there's something about those outdoor games that are really passionate for me. And I think most fans. Yeah. Um, and that would be exhilarating to see something going on at, at Ohio State. That'd be really have, have you been at a horseshoe before, Pierre? I have been there. I've never been there for hockey, though. I've been there though. Oh wow. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I know you like me, you're a huge college football fan. Oh, so. I am. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was so bummed out. I couldn't I didn't make it out to that Bruins um Blackhawks at Notre Dame because I'm a big Notre Dame fan, but yeah, that would be something, Pierre. So maybe if that happens, we'll have to get out there. Maybe we'll do a podcast from there. That would be something. That'd hey, be Pierre, always a pleasure, my friend. Listen, lots of great hockey on tap for the weekend. Yep. Enjoy it. And to our viewers out there, we appreciate this. This has been, I, I, I'm sure Pierre is going to agree with me, a boatload of fun. I mean, just the first three episodes have flown by here. We're really looking forward to more. And as we go on now, we're going to start incorporating some guests into the podcast. Pierre, I know you've been talking to some uh some pretty big names in the, in the hockey world that are pretty impressed with us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to get some guests on. Uh, the winningest coach in the history of the sport is going to come on with us. Potentially one of the best players that ever played in the league will probably come on with us. Uh, some guys that I've coached along the way that might be in the Hockey Hall of Fame might come on with us. So lots of potential candidates to be guests. And just to be fair, we're not just doing guys hockey, too. As you saw from the last show, we're doing women's hockey, too. Oh, yeah. You know, the Professional Women's Hockey League is coming up pretty soon, starting in January. Uh, the college hockey season is going full bore for the women. I've already been to four games. So we're going to we're gonna do it all. And, and the World Juniors coming up. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, Jimmy, I got to tell you, we've done three shows. I can't believe how fast they've gone. Thank you so much it's for crazy, making huh? it so much fun. It's been great. Really good. Yeah, me too, you too, Pierre. This has been a pleasure. And we got many more to go. So uh, to everyone out there, have a great weekend. Enjoy the hockey. And this has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network with Pierre McGuire and myself. Have a good one. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.